Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Say it this week, guys, but we're doing another split show. Roz had to get on the grind and get working in that restaurant gig of his, so it's just wits for the first two segments. Roz is going to hit it up on the back, too. Apologies to Rube. I know he uh, likes to hear us bicker back and forth, but I'm going to stick to the bread and butter here. First couple segments, we had a lot going on in Major League Baseball right now. Um, obviously, my favorite sport, so we're going to cover it all, but just a little news around the sporting world. We had Justify taking home the Preakness title this past weekend. Um, another another sloppy track, but Justify pulled through. Um, seemed like a pretty similar race to the Kentucky Derby. Ran it perfectly. Um and just held it out until the end. So uh, not not the ideal race. I uh, had a couple different horses in mind on my trifecta, but um, that's all right. Don't usually like to bet on a, on a two-to-five favorite, but congratulations to Justify going for the triple crown um, at the Belmont coming up here. Um, NBA playoffs. I know Rod's going to break this down later in the show, but uh, Celtics and Cavs, awfully interesting as of last night, which would be Wednesday night. Celtics took a 3-2 lead, and Cavs are going back home for Game 6. Um, will LeBron be able to push it to a Game 7? The guy outscored his entire rest of his starting four or starting five. Um, that's what we'll call it. In Game 5, it's the fifth time he's done it in this playoffs. Uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing having one guy outscoring the rest of the starting lineup, but I guess that's what happens when you happen to be the best player and the GM of your team. You don't always get the best pieces around you. But that's going to be up to Roz. Also, we've got Game 5 in the Rockets-Warriors series tonight. So maybe we'll uh, we'll get a little update from that. But I do see the Rockets winning that series. They played a great Game 4. But in the meantime, let's look at some Major League Baseball. And I know we didn't get to it last week. So where we're going this week, we are going to the power rankings. Let's take a look at the top. And I know we have covered... The Yankees, we've covered the Red Sox, um, basically everything about the teams you could possibly go over. Uh, but interesting, interesting radio theory the other day I heard um, that JD, JD Martinez has a has a shot at winning the Triple Crown, but might not be the best player on his team and might not get more MVP votes than Mookie Betts. 
which I think is a very reasonable thing. Mookie Betts, I think, is playing some of the best baseball in the league right now. I mean, I know Mike Trout, consider him the best player. Um, but Mookie Betts is one of the, the very key cog that is making this Red Sox machine rumble. Um, and you look at the Yankees, Glabar Torres, um, absolutely lighting the world on fire. A team I want to look at right now who's crept into the top five, the Atlanta Braves. And is it such a great quote from CBS Sports Power Rankings? If you're a Seinfeld listener out there, you know you know where this is from. The Braves, they're real and they're spectacular. Sitting in a very paltry 29 and 19 right now. And, you know, the Braves have played 25 games on the road compared to 20 at home this year. They've won 17 of those road games. Played a pretty difficult schedule when you look at it, um, and they fared pretty well against some good teams. Have a, a great plus 65 run differential that's second in the NL to the Cubbies. Um, so when you look at guys like Ozzy Albies, who's just an uh, just a stud for how young that guy is. I mean, he he looks like he's going to be the next you know best power hitting second baseman in Major League Baseball if he isn't already. You got Freddie Freeman who has quietly been, I think, one of the best hitters in baseball for the past six or seven years. I mean, you look at the guy, never has, hasn't really ever gotten much recognition, and I think that's come with being on an Atlanta team you know, the past few years that has not been very good, but he's an all-star. You've got Nick Markakis, who is, I think, just one of the most true professional baseball players um, in the major leagues. He's been around so long. You know, He's a career 290 hitter, very solid, and Ronald Acuna, you know, one of the most talked about prospects in baseball getting called up and has been tearing the cover off the ball. The offense has been one of the best in baseball. The bullpen has been pretty good. And then you look at the young starting pitching, guys like Sean Newcomb, you got Mike fulton um, Julio Tehran is a guy who uh, is an all-star caliber pitcher when he's healthy and when he's consistent. So, you know, if he, if they, you know, if Julio Tehran can stay on top of this rotation this year, this Braves team might be able to make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, I, I know it's a little early. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. Um, but, you know, they've, they've just been so good. You know, and like I mentioned, Mick, Nick Markakis is 34. Uh, didn't all of a sudden just morph into Ted Williams. Getting a, a little quote from CBS here. But, you know, some of these youngsters probably will go through some rough patches. And, you know, this Atlanta Braves team might need to make a move at the deadline. I know they tried the Jose Batista deal. Didn't work out. Um, you know, no harm, no foul, but the Braves have been playing some spectacular baseball and have really kind of turned the tide, I think, in the NL East. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you thought it was 100% going to be the Nationals. Maybe the Mets would make a little bit of a play. Um, Phillies would be kind of up and coming, but the Braves are sitting on top of this division with the Phillies right behind them. Um, as it stands right now, Phillies are a half game back. Washington three games back, the Mets three and a half, and Miami. Um, nobody cares about the Marlins. But, you know, the Mets have have fallen from grace a little bit. Um, you know, Matt Harvey leaving, uh, I didn't necessarily think it was a huge deal for them. I don't know if people thought he was going to have a resurgent year, but, you know, they've gotten hit by the injury bug a little bit. Um, and we'll, we'll see if they can kind of turn it around. I mean, they're still sticking with it. They had a great start. Um and they've kind of been hanging around, but I mean, this this division is a tough one. I think you could make an argument. I mean, it could be tough against the NL Central, but the NL East, I, th- I think you can make an argument that it might be the best division in baseball. Um, I think I might get some disagreement from my friend Jared Rubin on that one. Uh, when you look at the NL Central, 
but very solid division. Um, and you look at the AL East, might have the two best teams in baseball, but after that, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Baltimore, those are three teams that are struggling and I think are going to continue to struggle. The AL Central <laughs> still do not have a team over 500 as I sit here now at 9.30 on Thursday night. Cleveland Indians are 24-24. and 24. Um, And then you look at Minnesota, 21-24. and 24. Detroit, and then it just it gets worse from there. You've got Kansas City Royals and Chicago White Sox combined 31 wins. Um, and I, I'm fine with the White Sox, how they've been playing this year. I mean, I, I think people expected them to be bad. I don't know if they expected them to be this bad. Uh, there was talks last week that they were on pace to have one of the worst seasons ever. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think they're in a rebuilding phase. They've got some guys who are young, um, who are up and coming, and I think you know you, you love to see a guy like Yohan Mankata. I think coming into his own a little bit this year, he's hitting around 270, showing a little power. Um, you guys got guy like Lucas Giolito, who you know has definitely struggled, has had his fair share of struggles this year, but I think you know that'll come with a young pitcher. Hopefully, they can get Kopech up in the big league sometime this year, um, and I mean, they could be you know one, maybe two, you know possibly three years away from being a contender again if they can get some of these other guys if they can get you know really the pitching is key in major league baseball if, you, if you've seen any of the astros games this year you know that's the case um but the white Sox, i think are a team to look out for down the road um in the al central you know it looks like a division that could be up for grabs down the road if cleveland doesn't pick up its act but that's all the time we have here for the sporting edge everybody if you miss the show you know where to find us libertytalk.fm and i'll be back next What's up, what's up, everybody? I am back at the Sporting Edge. It's so hard. I'm always saying we are back, but it's just me for this segment. We got more Major League Baseball, so I hope you like baseball because we're going to talk a little a little bit about um, the balls in Major League Baseball. This study, um, you know, revealing it. People are talking about the ball being juiced, leading to the home run spike. Um, and, man, I, I read a couple different articles. I read one from CBS. I had read one from Yahoo!, um, ESPN had something, and I just, I don't know. I'm more confused than when I started. Um, but you look at the home run rate, 2017 home runs per team per game at 1.26, 1.16 last year, 1.01 the year before, and 0.86 the year before that. So something's going on. I, you know, thought before the study came out, it was just, you know, you had the launch angle seemed to be the big talk this year was that more guys were just trying to hit dingers um and they were in turn striking out a lot more which is fine i mean that's an approach that it seemed like a lot of people were taking so i i thought that was more um you know the cause of this home run surge but according to the study player behavior doesn't appear likely to be a key factor um immaterial to me doesn't really matter i like the homers i would like to see the game, um, I don't want to say be played a little more purely, but I don't know. I, I, I like a guy who goes up there and you know, will choke up with two strikes and you know do his best to put the ball in play. When you look at a guy like Anthony Rizzo, a guy like Joey Votto, um, I'm not saying that you have to do what those guys do and basically you know choke up on half the bat, but I get a, just a respect for guys when they, they have two strikes that they, they try to change their approach a little bit. Try to put the ball in play because you can't, nothing good happens 
when you don't hit the ball, when you strike out. I mean, there's there's really nothing good that can happen. But you never know. You put the ball in play, things do happen. I mean, I know these are professional baseball players. People make mistakes, and I was always just more of a fan. And I guess that's how I was taught growing up that when you get two strikes, you know, you have one job is to put the ball in play. Um, but I know that major major league baseball, even some of these some of these tiny guys are just hitting a bunch of home runs. And that's just, it seems like that's the way the game is going. I mean, just more home runs, more strikeouts. One of the three, the three, three true outcomes, the home run, strikeout, walk. Um, the game's leaning a little bit more towards that. And I think, I think you're, you're seeing teams with the superior pitching with guys who can get hitters out. They're going to be the ones who are going to be the most successful because pitching at the end of the day is what wins the championships. It's what wins, um, you know, tight games. I mean, you go to the playoffs it's all about starting pitching. And I think the Astros right now are clearly the best team in the league when it comes to starting pitching. And they've had a ton of success this year. I saw a stat the other night. They gave up, they've given up 126 runs in their first 50 games. Um, it's like the best start. I don't know. It was in like 50 or 75 years, whatever the number was. It was crazy. They're giving up like a little under two and a half runs per game. Um, and you just think about it. It's, and I, I think it's because those pitchers, I mean, you look at Cole, Verlander having maybe his best year ever. Um, would never have thought I would have said that a few years ago. It looked like he was about to retire with the Tigers, but now he's been resurgent. They say Cole, Verlander, Keuchel, Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers. I mean, throwing some great games this year. And they really know how to get guys out, really know how to work their off speed. And I think it's shown with a little different approach that the league has taken um, when it comes to hitting that, you know, they're going to be successful because they know how to get guys out and there's been a lot more strikeouts this year. But look at a little bit more around the league. Um, one team I want to talk about, Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, they were on fire a few weeks ago, but, you know, they've kind of fallen off the map a little bit and honestly a little disappointed. Um, you know, they're 27 and 22 right now. Still are playing some pretty good baseball, but I think they got a really tough stretch in their schedule. Uh, they really feasted on the weak competition early on. They're going for, going fourteen and three against the White Sox, Reds, Tigers, and Marlins. Um, great to beat up on those teams, and you know they did a great job of getting through that part of their schedule. But you know the Pirates, I, I think they're a team. I think they're going to be that one team in the NL Central that falls off. Um, I think the Brewers have what it takes to stay up there. And I think the Cardinals, I would never count out the Cardinals. They do need um, Marcelo Ozuna and Dexter Fowler to be better because Ozuna has been terrible. Um, and he actually got benched the other day for sleeping. I read the article, slept through game time, was not even awake. Don't know how that happens. I can't say I've never missed a baseball game, but I was not asleep at the at the first pitch. I'll tell you that. Um, Dexter Fowler needs to be better. I still think the Cubs are going to win this division. I know they're in fourth place right now, but you look at Chris Bryant um, quietly hitting 305 um, and having a great year. Not a lot of people are talking about him right now, but um, I think he's kind of a, a dark horse MVP candidate. If you know he can come out and hit 35 home runs and lead this Cubs team to another division title, I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, you look at the Phillies. This is another team, much like the Atlanta Braves, that have played a really tough schedule. 
and they've got a great run differential, um, plus 35. I know it's hard to put that into perspective, but uh, with the teams they've played so far and how much they struggled that first week, it, it was more it was more put on by the media, their struggles and what was actually going on. But um, you look at Carlos Santana, he's been okay, but he could he could be better. Uh, you know, Reese Hoskins, he could be better. Has not shown as much power as he did last year. Um, you look at Altair, Kingery, um, you know, all these guys, I mean, they're not playing spectacular, but they're playing good enough for the Phillies to be 28-19 right now. And you look at Odubel Herrera, who I thought he continued the streak the other night on the drop third strikeout, um, but it turns out that doesn't count as an official on base. That was really disappointing because, you know, we're coming down to the last at bat in the ninth inning. They're not in the game at all, but he's up and, you know, strikes out on a pitch that goes to the backstop and he makes it to first base, um, but it didn't count. Kind of disappointing. But, I mean, you look at the pitching, the Phillies, pair of ace caliber arms, Aaron Nola, um, could make a case, I think, for top five pitcher in the league right now with how he's been throwing. You got, And then you got Arietta, who's solid, and Nick Pavetta, I think, has really picked it up as of late. That's a very solid top three. Bullpen's been okay, um, but I think the Phillies, they've just got so much more room for improvement, and with how they've been playing so far, I mean, this is a, this is a team to watch out for. In a division that, you know, the Braves, I like them. I like them a lot. Um, but I don't know where they're going to be at the end of the year. And like the Phillies, they're kind of unproven as well. I don't know where they're going to be. And I don't want to act like the Nationals have proven anything besides that they can get to the first round of the playoffs because that's all they've been able to do. Um, you know, as long as Strasburg, Bryce Harper, all those guys have been around, they haven't won anything really. And then the Mets, you know what? If they can get healthy, if Mats. Syndergaard and DeGrom pitched to the best of their abilities basically the rest of the year. They could be a team that could win this division. So this is a, this is the one division where I'm going to be looking, um, I think, throughout the rest of the year because it's so interesting. You have all these unproven teams. I mean, the NL Central, um, I think, is also a great race. But, I mean, you get the Cubs have been there. They've won it. Cardinals have been there. They've won it. Brewers have not really been there. Um, but they played really well last year. It kind of fell off a little bit in the second half. So, you know, those are teams that have been there. They've done it before. But this NL East, this NL East division is a, you know, bunch of young and up-and-coming players with the Braves and the Phillies. Um, and you got a team like the Nationals, like I said, or I don't like them. Haven't done anything. <laughs> Still haven't. And then the Mets, who I stuck with two years in a row as my World Series pick. I'm still sticking with them, 24-21 and 21 after all that they've been through so far. Not a bad thing. Absolutely not a bad thing. And just a couple other quick notes around the league. Um, Mike Trout hit his 15th home run the other night. Um, just an absolutely unbelievable player. Him and Shohei Otani and Albert Pujols. I mean, if you haven't watched the Angels at all this year, you need to. Um, Dylan Bundy, just an absolutely gem on Thursday afternoon. Complete game. Nine innings through 121 pitches, allowed you know a three-run homer. That's all he gave up. Three runs, well, struck out 14. And after that start he had a few weeks ago, where didn't record a single out. I'm glad to say that I think Dylan Bundy has found his stuff a little bit, and that was just a fluke game. But this is not a fluke because this is the end of the second segment of the Sporting Edge. We'll be back after the break. 
Rod's going to break down the NBA and whatever else he wants to because you never know with that man. But this is the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm and amfm247.com. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Roz here at the Sporting Edge. I totally know that I am alone once again doing this split segment. It's totally okay because we today are brought to you by El Monterey Taquitos. I just came from Ralph's, which is better known as Kroger or even Sunset Foods in the Midwest. So we're doing sponsors today. We actually are headed to potentially a new platform. I haven't even told my co-host yet. We are being bought out by another radio um, podcast company. This will be news that we bring to you later in the future. But you know what? I'm here this week to talk about basketball because you know what? It's probably time for me to be scared, right? The idea that I have LeBron in the NBA Finals, the idea that I have the Golden State Warriors in the Finals, all looking a little bit in jeopardy. This is the perk of me doing it here Friday morning at 3.53 a.m., how amazing is this? This is dedication at its finest. I've had a couple drinks. I was saying goodbye to some people, so emotions are running a little bit high, but it's okay because I'm here to deliver you some sports content for the next uh, 28 minutes, and that uh, was just because I don't actually know the exact number because we got commercials and everything, but let's get to the NBA basketball games that are occurring right now. I'm actually... In, in a side note, I'm texting Xander right now because he's two hours ahead in Chicago. He's already getting his workout in. I'm sure Jared Rubin, who listens to the show, is already getting up, ready to get going for work at Medline. But me, I'm about to go to bed right after I record this. And I got to witness another interesting aspect of the Warriors-Houston Rockets saga. So Chris Paul is hurt. Let's just get that out early and open. As he hurt his hamstring on one of the final possessions of the game, I think he was super instrumental in winning the last two games. He played out of his mind in game four as he tied it up on the road against Golden State. I really, I really believe this injury is going to hurt him in game six. It just is one of those Draymond Green takes the technical, doesn't play, gives LeBron a win type situation. It's without Chris Paul, I don't know how this rocket team is going to function. And that's not just me saying that because it's postseason, you're missing one of your star players. This is me saying that because if you looked at their record during the regular season without Chris Paul, it was actually abysmal. They really needed him on the court in order for them to be full because when he was on the court with James Harden, their record was pretty incredible. It was almost perfect to say the least. So 
We'll see how this game six. Or, yeah, we'll see how this game six goes. I'm still all on the Warriors here. I'm a little more nervous about the Cavs. I'm going to cover that in a second, but I'm still all on the Warriors. My issue with them is who's shooting the last shot because clearly it hasn't been established. And with game four being KD passing to a highly covered Clay Thompson to KD in game five not making the play again where he passes off to Draymond in an open lane where he doesn't even feel comfortable taking the shot. I mean, it was a tough ending to last to, the last two games. And the Rockets have done what teams haven't been able to do, and that's hold the Warriors under 100 points. It seems a little bit crazy. Basketball shouldn't be determined on if you can score 100 points or more. But with this Warriors team, a team that's almost averaging 120 points per game in the postseason, you really do need to hold them down in terms of scoring. And the fact that they held them to under 100 points in the last two games, the first time in the postseason that the Warriors have been held under 100 points, that's really incredible. So the Rockets have kind of dished it back a little bit towards me. So... I'm not worried. I'm impressed. Let me say I'm impressed because the scripted NBA that I claim it to be isn't as scripted as I thought unless, of course, this goes game seven and we hit a buzzer beater by Steph Curry or something along those lines. I mean, the Rockets are giving them a little bit of a fight. We're going to definitely need to see Chris Paul in game seven if it's to be any bit of a series anymore. I mean, without Chris Paul, the series is over. I think the series is over with, with Chris Paul. I think the Warriors aren't about to lose their next two games, but been an interesting series you start with blowouts in the first three games and then you get two amazing games to kind of cap that off with the Rockets pushing back in the fourth quarter of game four and you get the Rockets holding off the Warriors in the in quarter four for game five it's been an awesome series and James Harden who's getting a lot of credit I mean even PFT and Big Cat giving James Harden a little credit starting after that dunk on Draymond Green. I, I still didn't see a whole lot in James Harden. It really wasn't James Harden down the stretch. If you watched game four the right way, he was shy, shying away from taking shots. He was passing the ball out of bounds or turning the ball over. It was really Chris Paul leading the charge. So this is where it'll get interesting. Again, I'm all Warriors. I think Warriors take it in seven. Obviously, they'll need it to go to seven in order to take this. And then they'll take the finals, which is will be against a team that I'm not sure about yet. I mean, this is as scary as it gets if you're LeBron James. Winning on the road in this series seems to be almost impossible. It is a blowout in every which fashion you got it. I mean, LeBron James is carrying arguably the worst team he's ever had with him. I And I've said this over and over, weeks and week in, week in and week out. I think the team he has with him right now is absolutely abysmal. I don't think you can consider George Hill an elite starter anymore, let alone a starter at this point. Kevin Love, again to me, was a guy on this Minnesota Timberwolves team. And you and Cavs fans can get mad, and I know a Cavs fan who would absolutely tear me apart for this, but you can consider Kevin Love a player who needed to score points and get rebounds in Minnesota. Look at Minnesota as it is now. It really has more talent. I understand that. It has a, probably a better coach. But there are players on that team where you can spread out the wealth and be a good team. When Kevin Love was on the Timberwolves, there was nobody else other than him to score points, get rebounds, show stats. I mean, when you're on a bad team like that, your stats are going to improve, especially if you're a decent player. And that's all I can credit him for. I think he's only a decent player. I don't think he's going to be LeBron's second. I don't even think he should be a LeBron's third, to be honest. Um, LeBron's taken this god-awful team as far as he can. And I hate all this stuff. This is a whole media plunge again about him looking tired on the bench, him not looking as focused, him being underprepared. LeBron James played 82 games this season. I can't do an excuse. He could have taken a day off. If this was really going to be a problem come playoffs, they probably should have accounted for it. But the guy 
is averaging 40 points per game in wins. And you can't expect that from a player every single game. Jordan wouldn't go out for the Bulls and score 40 points a game to win every single game. He had help. He had teams. He had a good team around him. And that's not something that LeBron James has at this point. It's nerve-wracking, because I'll be honest with you. Whether it's him being tired or the fact that this young Celtics team is being coached by the greatest coach, arguably in my lifetime, that it's creating all these questions because I'm sur- I'm definitely concerned. Them down three two, they de- definitely get to go home to Quicken Loans, where the Celtics have had trouble on the road, and where the home team in the series is doing well. But come Game Seven, I don't actually have an answer for you. I am lost for words. I can't believe this series has gotten to the point that it's gotten to it right now. I still am holding out hope for LeBron James, but at this point, I'm almost on the side that I think the Celtics do take this series, whether it's in Game 6 or in Game 7, and then we just have the most atrocious NBA Finals of all time. I mean, we get it. I sold them short. I thought they were going to lose their first-round series to the Bucks, and I sold them short. I thought they were going to lose their next-round series to the 76ers. They're, they're proving me wrong all the way up until this point, but I would just have to put all my money in the world, which, remember, I'm out of mortgages. I'm out of all the money in the world. If you've been listening to the show, I'd have to put it all on the Western Conference, whoever comes out of it. I, if it was the Rockets or the Warriors, I just don't see this going more than five games in the NBA Finals. And that's really if both teams make it. I mean, obviously, I think it goes five because I think LeBron would steal a game in a series. But fans can cheer all they want. They can think that it's going to be a better series if LeBron and the Cavs make it against one of these two teams. It's just, it isn't. It's it's going to be awful basketball because you've seen how bad the Cavs are already. Now imagine them against two of the most elite teams we've seen in the NBA in a long time, to be honest. I mean, and the Celtics are young. I think they crumble under pressure. I think they crumble against a team, especially like the Warriors who will outrun them, who will out-energize them down down the stretch it's gonna be tough the NBA is tough first and foremost it's absolutely tough I think that it's the most predictable league in sports I know Xander talked already or Wits already talked a lot about Major League Baseball but I was looking at it today the fact that the Astros the Cubs and I know that we've had Cardinals and Red Sox repeatedly and the Yankees winning 27 but like baseball to me is just there's so much unpredictable things that occur in the course of a season in the course of five years where teams kind of pop up and show up and now they're in the playoff hunt but in the NBA it's just the same year in and year out there's not enough star talent around the NBA and I think maybe this Celtics team is showing proving me otherwise which would be fantastic I'd love Jason Tatum Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown to be the next group of all-stars I hope Giannis Antetokounmpo can be as good as he looks like he can be but right now, it's LeBron and the Warriors. It's LeBron and James Harden and Chris Paul. And honestly, if I'm LeBron at this point, if I lose this series, the only place I'm looking to go to is Houston. You're playing with your best friend in Chris Paul. You've got James Harden, who I think if he can give up the ball and let LeBron take it up, is going to be a better player in himself. Because one, you can drive and dish to James Harden. He'll pop the three. Two, you can drive and dish to James Harden or do screen and rolls with James Harden. James Harden, and it'll work out the same way. The scoring would be plentiful, and it would take the pressure off of James Harden looking like a drugged-out maniac, as part of my take would say. I mean, I think that would be the answer to his problems in the postseason. Clearly, he looks totally fine right now being up 3-2 in that series, but we'll see. That's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is Ross here at the Sporting Edge. I know me and Wits do some trouble when we're doing these splits, but we'll be back next week with better and more news than ever. Follow us on LibertyTalk.fm.
What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for our fourth segment. Once again, it is only Roz here. Like I said, a lot of good things are coming up for this Rosenzweig and Wits tandem. This, again, is sponsored by, this is a new sponsor. We got Sriracha Ranch Dressing from Trader Joe's. It is organic. I'd recommend everybody go out and try their own. Oops, I'm spilling. But definitely worth the purchase. We also are sponsored by Monterey Taquitos. I just had three of them. We took a taquito break. Let me get into the NFL a little bit because I'm a little rattled. This is where PC Roz is coming in. I don't have conservative wits. I don't have conservative liberty talk.fm. If they want to come after me for this one, let them have it because Roz is here to throw his liberal perspective on thing. Let it be known that this is only half, half liberal here because I don't actually know a whole lot about politics. But I do know that the First Amendment allowing free speech, free press, free right to protest is being jeopardized in the NFL, and we understand the NFL is 60 minutes on the field, gridiron football that we love, that we can throw fantasy, money, all this good stuff on. But to take away the players' rights to take a protest, I think I needed to be able to stand out and say that is absolutely wrong. I think it's absolutely wrong that Eric Reed or Colin Kaepernick, regardless of their skill, isn't allowed on the team. You know what? Maybe less so the Colin Kaepernick. I don't think his talent is worthy of being on a team right now. He wouldn't be a starter for any of the 30 teams I can imagine. But Eric Reed is one of the best defensive backfield players in the country right now. And I think that he's definitely worthy of being on a team. But to take away the players' rights to take a knee during the national anthem, this isn't a call against the Army. This isn't a call against the military. This is a right to protest against police brutality in a time where Sterling Brown's video just came out about him getting tased for a parking violation. I just want that to be known to everybody. It was a parking violation. There was no violence. There was no act against the police in this situation. So it's a little rough, and I think it's unfortunate that the NFL has come to this. I love that Jed York of the San Francisco 49ers abstained from making a vote and everything, but this is tough. This is a white man's league, per se. This is run by 30 owners, none of which are minority, and they all had the audacity to say that their players, who, who, again, majority aren't white athletes, are not allowed to protest their right against police brutality or social injustices. So I just wanted to put that out there. It's a shame because I love this sport so much. There's no team I talk about more on this show than the Green Bay Packers. There's no sport I love more than the NFL on this show. But it's an absolute social injustice. It's absolute disregard to the First Amendment rights of these athletes to take away this ability to kneel down during the national anthem. So staying in the locker room is your response. Or the so-called, oh, this makes it even. It's not. It's absolute BS. And um, we're going to move on from that because I have other NFL news that isn't so politically driven. Um, again, it's 4 o'clock in the morning here, so a little feistiness out of me is definitely okay here and there. And whatever takes I get from my conservative friends, well, they can, uh, they can kiss my ass. Anyways, the Green Bay Packers, we just signed Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis, the former Jacksonville Jaguars tight end. Interesting move, as I'm not quite sure what we're doing here. We let Richard Rodgers go. We just signed Jimmy Graham. We either love our tight end coach or we're just stocking our team with tight ends because we think we're going to be in the red zone so often because of how dominant we are. I'm, I'm lost in the trend of what's going on with Des Bryant. And this goes away from being a Packers fan here for a second. I'm really lost because I'm, why isn't anybody signing the guy? Jordy Nelson signed a contract 
three days after being released by the Packers. He's older, slower, has had more injuries. Yet Des Bryant left the Cowboys, maybe has more of an attitude, but possesses potentially more talent than Jordan Nelson and is still without a team. I think his bid for being in the NFC East didn't make a whole lot of sense. It was ideal that maybe five years ago, if you would have had Odell Beckham and Des Bryant, you're like, wow, that's the best receiving core of all time. I don't think the Redskins are really in a place where they need him. Alex Smith, their new starting quarterback, they've got a lot of young talent on their offensive side of the ball. Or the Philadelphia Eagles, who just won the the Super Bowl. Like, why do they need to add him when they have Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey? They mean they went out and signed their big time wide receiver when they went for Alshon. So this Des Bryant claiming the NFC East, it just doesn't look like it's going to pan out. Especially since the Cowboys clearly went a younger route. They went more inexperienced in terms of the wide receivers. I mean, I don't understand why they cut him in the first place when they couldn't restructure a deal. It sounds like Jerry Jones didn't even put a thought to it. I don't know what team he's going to go to. He turned on the Ravens. He doesn't want to play for the Packers due to that catch. I mean, he doesn't want to go to the FC. He'll never see the Cowboys again. And it's very clear to me that he wants to play against this Cowboys team. doesn't seem like his agent's doing a whole lot to put him on a new team. OTAs are coming through. I know we've got the Tom Brady and the Rob Gronkowski drama going on. Yet, Des Bryant still without a team. I know the NFL draft probably hurt his stock a little bit. But it's a little bit surprising to me. I'm very curious what other people would have to say in terms of where they think Des Bryant's going to go. But right now, I'm unsure. I do want to cover a little bit of the Patriots drama that's going on. Another one of those ESPN highlights of their like season. Oh, my God. Patriots are back in action. Oh, my God. We can talk about Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, fantastic. Tell me what he's doing in the offseason. It's probably more fun than what I'm doing. He's doing bachelor parties. He's getting naked, running through beaches, doing whatever he's got to do. Just having a good time because he knows once the start of the NFL season comes, he really snaps back into what he's doing and is ready to play the game. I know he's battled a lot of injuries. I can't really contribute any of those to his lifestyle. I think that's just more unfortunate luck of playing the game of football. But him and Tom Brady are missing OTAs right now. And to make matters worse, they're trading together from what I've heard 200 feet away from the practice facility at Tom Brady's special rehabilitation physical camp. Um, They're participating in drills there, throwing the ball to one another. Obviously, more Tom Brady to Rob Gronkowski. But they're in Foxborough. They're in Massachusetts performing these drills, just not with the team. I do know that Tom Brady had mentioned he wanted to travel more with his family, be more a part of the family life during the offseason. So this not being a mandatory time for players, I think it makes sense for Tom Brady to kind of be doing his own thing and not being tied down. I don't, I don't really see the turmoil with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Their careers are coming to respective ends. Maybe Bill, Belichick is going to start somewhere new. Maybe Belichick starts a whole new program here in New England. I think Tom Brady is thinking about what's next in his his career, whether it's going to be broadcasting, whether it's going to be a family man, whether it's going to be the best dad in the entire world. But football is going to come to an end to this for this man. And it'll be interesting to see how the Patriots do this season. I think for me... Um, they didn't add a whole lot. They gave up a little bit. They were pretty quiet during the free agency period, so it'll be tough. But I think this drama was a little overdriven once again by ESPN and the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. I might have unfairly just called out Stephen A. Smith. He might not even be talking about it. But 
the NFL will be interesting this coming season. I think there's a lot of things going to go on. I think that you're going to get maybe a flip in the NFL. I think you're going to see some bottom-tier teams of last year actually putting up a little bit of a fight. I think you get the Browns winning for the first time in almost two years. I think you get the Chicago Bears winning seven to eight games, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's a lot better than the way they were performing, and it'll definitely mean that they take some games away from their division rivals, so I think could be very dangerous. I love Matt Stafford still. He's on the Lions. I I can't root for them when they play the Packers, but he's really kind of a grit kind of guy. He's going to go out there and perform to this highest ability with whatever injury he's playing with, a guy who's been injured a lot over his career. And I really think Kirk Cousins is going to crap the bed for the Minnesota Vikings. That's just me. I've seen the guy throw more interceptions in crunch time than any other quarterback other than Brett Favre, who I just had to relive one of his worst interceptions of all time as a Viking, where he threw it against the New Orleans Saints in the NFC Championship game. I think there's a lot going to go on. I think the Carolina Panthers switch it around a little bit. I think we get another run by them. The Falcons might struggle, just like they've done on and off with Matt Ryan's career. Drew Brees has given his last push. I think the Eagles and that NFC East is going to be dominated as it has been for the last decade with the Giants Super Bowl wins, the Eagles Super Bowl wins. But that's all the time we have with the NFL, all the time we have with the NBA, all the time with Wits and Roz. This has been the Sporting Edge here at LibertyTalk.fm with a little bit of political talk against the radio station, which I love because I don't give a flying F what anybody says. But you guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week, everybody. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.